we want to help families live well and we want to leave them with a, a great legacy. So, you know, when it comes to end of life, honoring them, supporting them, supporting family members, it's just an extension of what we do. Welcome to the Easemakers podcast, presented by Nines, for people who are passionate about the art of private service. Every estate manager has a story, and this is where you get to hear them. On this show, you'll learn from the best in the business, get tips and inspiration to fuel your career, and connect with people who get it. Subscribe now and join the conversation at easemakers.com. I'm Kristen Twyford, and on the show today, Muhammad Elsmore and I are talking with Jeff Lambert, who handles family office relations at LHT Consulting Group. Jeff and his team help families, family offices, and household staff navigate funeral and memorial planning. And in this conversation, he shares why it's so important for everyone in the household to be prepared. It's a subject he's passionate about, because while it's a topic that's hard to talk about, He's seen the impact firsthand when he worked in a family office. Well, I worked 24 years for a single family office in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's the uh, office called RDV Corporation for the Rich and Helen DeVos family. Uh, I was in several executive roles, uh, including chief financial officer. But one of my roles for about nine years was uh, planning the uh, funeral events for uh, the matriarch and patriarch, Rich and Helen DeVos. So... Through that experience, I got connected with a consulting firm named LHT Consulting Group, who does high-end funeral planning for high net worth individuals, notable individuals. Uh, They did services for uh, Billy Graham, for Ross Perot, for Rich and Helen, Uh, and then they do all state funerals in uh, Washington, so presidents, first ladies, uh, anyone that has a um, lies in state in the capital. So it's a great group of people. They were extremely helpful because, you know, as family office executives, you know, we know finance, we know household operations, we know a lot of things, but we know no funeral planning. So uh, they were extremely helpful. Well, we want to start out with a lightning round of fun questions. Who is your favorite fictional private service professional? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I think it was Birdie, uh, was the show as a, a, a UK show. And, uh, the character had a, uh, valet that was, uh, extremely helpful. And, you know, and the thing I liked about him, he not only was helpful in what he did, but he knew the, knew the, his, his principal extremely well and was always proactive and ready to go. So I, I apologize. I don't remember his name. <laughs> that's a good one. I like it. One we haven't heard before. What's a story you love to tell from your time in private service? Oh, let me think about that one a minute. Um, you know, the uh, patriarch matriarch of our, our company were just uh, extremely nice and friendly. And, and one of Rich DeVos's character traits is he, he gets to know every individual. Um, and I was, I was meeting with him one day to go over staff raises. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's, he's looking at me. He's like, you know, Jeff, you, you look really nice today. You know, is that is that a new suit? You know, are you wearing a new tie? It's like, no, Mr. DeVos, you know, I wear I wear these every day. And it dawned on me later, uh, uh, they was just trying to be complimentary. Of course, we go out, he sees me out to the door and, and he looks outside and says, you know, Jeff, your car really needs a wash. 
So, you know, on, on the one hand, you know, extremely uh, complimentary, but two, didn't hesitate to point out uh, that my car was dirty. I love it. He's blunt either way, yeah, positive exactly. or negative. You got to appreciate that. Exactly. <laughs> Jeff, what drew you to private service originally? Uh, you know, I needed a job. Uh, the company I was I was working for was sold um, here in Grand Rapids, and so I got introduced to uh, the family office. And um, you know, as I got to know them, one, it's an extremely professional environment, which I really enjoyed. Um, the DeVos family here in Grand Rapids is uh, extremely well respected. I mean, they've got their detractors too, but they're they're exceptionally nice people. And so I was always proud to work for them. You know, people in this industry need to have a servant heart. And uh, I believe I have that. You know, it wasn't about me. It was about serving them in, in whatever capacity we needed it. So, you know, again, uh, I use the example of Mr. DeVos. Always very grateful for the work that we did. And uh, I believe we added value to uh, their lives, which are very busy and and very comprehensive. And, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed was uh, coming out of an accounting and finance background. I'm a CPA by uh, background. You know, as you get to do such interesting things working for a family, uh, you know, because of all the things that they're interested in. So, you know, whether it be uh, working with yacht crews, buying or selling aircraft, um, you know, helping uh, family staff in any capacity, get done what the family needs to do and what they need to do to help the family. I just I just really enjoyed that. Jeff, what's one thing that surprised you when you moved into the work that you're doing now? You know, I've, I've actually um, gotten asked that question a lot. I, I think it is, you know, the fact that, you know, whether, whether we work for a high net worth family, you know, they're just people. They're, they're wealthy people, you know, but, and each has a different personality, but I, I think just the nature of friendliness and you know in our roles you know we need to be friendly but we're not necessarily going to be best friends but what i found is is the family was extremely gracious extremely thankful uh really appreciated what we did and and didn't hesitate to express that now they have high standards but they're just i go back to my example mr devos you know it's just always like he 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 knew my name. He uh, uh, cared about me, cared about my family. And, uh, you know, that was an important, important part of being in this industry. Well, we want to move into our conversation about the importance of memorial planning and how family offices and household staff fit into that. And to start out, I want to talk about a stat that you all have found at LHT that nine out of 10 family offices do not have a funeral or memorial event plan in place. And that's something that you found in your own family office role, right? So take us back to that time and tell us the story of, you know, when you found yourself sort of unprepared for an event like this. So um, Mr. DeVos was a co-founder of Amway Corporation, and he had a uh, co-founder named Jay Van Andel. And most of this planning historically had been done through the corporation. And, and the group was very private. You know, they, they carried around these little blue notebooks with all their planning materials in it. And so uh, the code name for the project was called Blue Book because uh, of the <laughs> color of the little notebook. And so uh, what they had found over time, it was really viewed as, as crisis management, hence why it was uh, done at the, the company level. Um, but Mr. DeVos and Mr. Van Andel and their spouses, you know, very prominent in Grand Rapids here. You know, they've, they've been defined as kind of Grand Rapids royalty, if you will. And so, you know, it's going to be uh, a very public event. 
you know, it's something that uh, when we talked to media, you know, they were queued up. This was going to be, um, you know, a major story for them every day from the time of uh, death through the services. So, you know, really wanted to be prepared. And what happened was um, when Mr. Mainandel passed several years before Mr. DeVos and Mrs. DeVos, uh, they realized that, that that planning was somewhat inadequate, you know, um, didn't have all of the information for media ready, didn't have their plan ready. Um, they were concerned about crowds and so kind of discouraged uh, too much participation from the general public. And as a result, as an example, you know, the funeral of uh, the um, church wasn't full for Mr. Van Andel's funeral. And that that's a real shame, you know, for a, a man of his stature and legacy. And so coming out of that, we started a... a a team to do planning and uh, pulled in, you know, folks from our family office, from the Van Andel family office, from Amway Corporation. We had the benefit, Amway has a very strong and large um, special events team. And if you think about these events for these families, they're, they're not a lot different than, you know, major public events. So we had a, a, an exceptional team through that. And, um, the death of President Gerald R. Ford. He is from Grand Rapids. A lot of his events took place here. We uh, got introduced to the uh, uh, Ford planning team, uh, post all their, their events here, and just we're going through kind of a benchmarking. Uh, what did you do? How did you do it? And they introduced us to, to LHT and said, you know, these guys are really helpful. And, and, you know, if you think about it, like I said, initially, we're good at accounting. We're good at philanthropy we're good at investments but we don't know funeral planning and and uh, you know so early on we just we just started this planning we we did it over a nine-year period and uh, once the initial plan was in place we'd have biannual meetings and uh, or excuse me semi-annual meetings and pull the whole team together for a half day and just kind of go through the plans you know be ready what was your role in that planning process where does the family office's role start and end when it comes to funeral planning there were two of us that co-led this uh, team from the family office perspective. It was myself and the head of philanthropy who knew uh, the principals extremely well. There were also uh, two second-generation family members that were assigned to be the leads for this process. So to the extent that we needed to get information from Mr. and Mrs. DeVos, they were, you know, if you think about it, this is a sensitive topic for people. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's not something I, I sit down with my kids or family regularly and talk about, or no less, uh, <laughs> you know, any, any service providers I have. So, you know, you want to understand, and it's really important to understand what a, a individual's legacy, um, what they want that to be. And uh, we had some great conversations with Mr. and Mrs. DeVos, um, very helpful in planning very personalized funeral services, celebration of life services. Mr. DeVos was uh, more of a typical uh, eulogies and uh, hymns and that kind of thing, whereas Mrs. DeVos uh, didn't want anybody standing up talking about her, really. Uh, so hers was all music and poetry and scripture. So a very, very personal um, very personal. So, you know, from our perspective, it was the two of us, uh, head of philanthropy and myself, and then um, the head of special events at Amway was the third co-leader. And so we worked as a team. We always knew where each other was if, if we were traveling. 
so that we could be prepared. And then um, we had the liaisons with the family second generation. And then what would happen was periodically through uh, our formal governance process of, of quarterly board meetings, we would update the, the general family and see if there were any questions. But otherwise, if we had specific items, we would either go to the second generation, and if they wanted us to, we would, we would go back to the first generation. Once you all realized that you wanted to be more prepared, how did you bring that conversation up with the family? I can imagine that's a very sensitive topic, like you said, and it can be hard for you know a family office or household staff to bring up those questions. So how do you address that, and what did you guys say when you realized that you wanted to have more of a plan in place? Yeah, it's a really good good question and point, Kristen. You know, this is a a conversation as you you say it's very sensitive. You know, not many people want to talk about it, but you know, they, we we talk to family members about their estate plans. You know, what what do you want to happen with the wealth when you're gone? Uh, we happen we talk to them about a lot of things that that we want to get their input and their direction. And so, if you think about it, uh, as I said earlier, you know, this is really an opportunity to leave a legacy and uh, know what it is that they want to do. So, you know, I, you know, recognizing that um, the planning could have been better uh, for the, the other Amway co-founder, we really came at it and said, you know, we want to we wanna do a better job for the DeVos family when the time comes. And so um, fortunately for us, and, and I think a lot of staff might find this out there, is families of prominence, they're used to the attention, they're used to... Um, the need to do planning. And so it wasn't a particularly difficult conversation. Now, some of the details were, um, you know, what, what do you want your funeral service to look like? What do you want your headstone to look like? We uh, had the opportunity to build a private cemetery next to uh, the family home. You know, what do you want that to look like? What, what do you want to do with it? And uh, so it, it, the, the sensitive point, I think, is to know when to stop. You know, where, where, do you, where do you ask these questions and how much do you do? And then go to the second generation to complete it and fill out the details and come back. And we've had um, examples of other staff that uh, thought they knew. And uh, they'll, they'll come and say, well, we're, we're going to fill out all of this uh, preliminary information. We're going to give you 30 minutes with the family uh, to verify it. And then we'll move on. And, and we oftentimes find that you get in front of the family members and it's a uh, not a 30 minute meeting it's a two plus hour meeting and they're they're like well no staff has it all wrong this isn't what we want you know but we assume we do but it, it's an extremely personal um exercise and to the extent that you give people an opportunity to participate uh it can be super helpful it can be super enriching it can be you know it, it, it as the uh, my co-lead at rdv and i say this was one of the most fulfilling exercises and responsibilities we had in our both of us 24 25 plus years of service to the family you know it was just in, incredibly um enriching to be able to do this for them so thinking about being more prepared what was the impact of that when you all were um you know going into the funerals for mr and mrs devos how was it easier or smoother when you had everything in place so um that's a great question. And uh, um, what we did as a planning team was uh, we came in originally from each of our various perspectives, whether it was aviation, knowing where the family would be uh, at the time of a demise so they can get everybody home, 
to special events, needing to inform Amway, clearing calendars and schedules and things like that. And what um, LHT helped us do was rethink that, not from our own um, sources of expertise, if you will, but from uh, an event standpoint. So each one of our uh, components of planning had a leader to it. So for example, um, we were going to make phone calls to family, friends, um, uh, what we called a contact list. And um, there was a, a person responsible for that. There was a person responsible for the activities that were going to happen at the church. There was a person responsible for uh, what needed to happen at the funeral home. So putting a lead in for each one of those uh, activities was incredibly helpful. Uh, we had um, obituaries and press releases and um, all the print materials designed in, in advance so that at the time of demise we, we could fill in dates and uh, specific participants, but otherwise, you know, they're ready to print. We, um, one of the things that was most important and we, we always encourage is who are the people that you want to make sure uh, know about these events, might be invited. You know, you hate to say invitation-only events, but, but in the case of the Devasas, given the uh, amount of interest, there was a funeral at the church, which has a limited seating capacity. And so um, that was an invitation-only, if you will. And then we had um, a simulcast in uh, a local downtown hotel, which was followed by a reception. So all of those pieces, because of the uh, ability to plan and plan for so long, we were able to have in place and, and ready to go. And then just having this uh, broader team that wasn't so secretive, if you will, um, you know, having these semi-annual meetings, we would have, you know, 50 or more people in the room uh, because it was not only the lead, but their backup and the backup to the backup <laughs> and, and the people that were going to be involved on the ground, you know, um, we had uh, post these events sending out thank you uh, mementos in the in the forms of gift cards and thank you notes. You know there are probably 150 people that participated in these events uh, from a staffing perspective. So, I think in answer to your question, it was being able to put all those pieces in place, and then also um, acknowledging the way that that life uh, in our society had changed between the times of the first events and the second. So, for example. There was a press conference that was done for Mr. Van Andel, and, and it was extremely helpful. It was the way you did things at the time. Well, you know, by the time the DeVos has passed, you know, it's social media. It is direct contact with uh, media sources. We did uh, advanced meetings with all the local media, print and uh, radio and uh, television. So we we're all working from the same page, if you will, uh, you know, keeping people informed um, as I said, whenever there might be a health issue or uh, a vacation, one of our co-leads, we were in touch, you know, uh, not, not, not being on a death watch or something morbid like that, but just, just really knowing that you got to communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah. And I can imagine that that not only helps that process go more smoothly, but also helps that person be remembered in a more meaningful way in, in a way that they wanted to be remembered, right? Yeah, so so it's really important to understand how a family member wants to be remembered, um, you know, as to how you design their funeral services and things like that. But if you think about it, 
you know, our roles in the family office or in the household is to uh, support family members. So I got a number of comments from family members saying, thank you for all the work, because it really allowed us uh, to spend that time grieving, spend time as family and not having to worry about the details. And don't get me wrong, we had a lot of questions at the time in the moment. Um, things change. They're, they're very fast paced. Uh, at the time and and the family was extremely um, accessible during that time but they didn't have to worry about the details they knew they'd be handled they could answer a question and then it no it would would happen so um, that's a benefit of doing the planning in advance and and having the strong relationships that we do with family members what's the role of the household staff during the memorial process you know what one thing you know it can start from the very beginning if you will um because one of the questions a, a staff might need to ask themselves, you know, if your principal doesn't come down to breakfast, what are you going to do? You know, they, they are very likely to be the first ones to be involved in this process. So, you know, understanding what the protocol is in the event of an unexpected uh, death. You know, who do you call first? Do you have a, a funeral home uh, relationship? You have the cell phone number of the, the director that you're going to call. Um, is there a, a do not resuscitate order that you want to make sure that, one, you understand what the instructions of your family member is, but also have it accessible in the event that it's needed uh, in a home environment? Um, from there, of course, that, that that's kind of initial. But, you know, as we as staff, we always want to be uh, adding value and being proactive so I think sometimes even just asking the questions about some of these these plans, uh, you know, do they even exist? You know, is is there a group that uh, is responsible for this? Is there any opportunities for um, suggestions based on the the staff's relationship with a family member? In, in our events, there was an opportunity to have events in the family home. We had uh, private visitation and and family. Uh, gatherings in one of the family homes so the casket was there you know so staff needs to be prepared for uh, that type of opportunity and they can they can even suggest that in the planning process that hey have you thought about this Um, there's opportunities for uh, staff to be involved for example there were several movements of our caskets uh, for both mr and mrs devos it was an opportunity for staff long-term staff uh, to have a um, a respectful role as pallbearers uh, in these uh, these various casket movements. Extremely meaningful to the staff members, and it, it fills a great need. You know, there may be opportunities based on the knowledge that a staff member has to contribute to uh, a specific celebration of life plan. For example, they may know of, of poems, scriptures, hymns, uh, special music that a family member likes that, that uh, others that aren't with them in the home may not know. So uh, putting those information forward um, and and things like that. Uh, another opportunity that we had that we uh, changed between the plans for uh, Mrs. and Mr. DeVos was we had a family luncheon in the home uh, prior to the interment service, which is a, a pretty common thing to do. And uh, for the first event, we had that catered outside um, and really feeling that, you know, that'd be too much to ask staff to do at the time. And, and they came back and said, you know, no, we really 
want to participate next time. You know, chef wanted to plan the meal. He, he used outside catering to support, but, you know, they planned the meal. They did set up. Uh, they did service uh, because it was it was incredibly meaningful and important for them to be able to um, support the family in those moments. Yeah, and I can imagine that they're grieving too. You know, I think that's a very complicated part of this process. They will want to step up and help, but at the same time, they were the ones who were spending so much time with the principals, right? You know, it's another good point of, of something that we did, uh, which I would encourage, is having family office, the family, someone uh, develop a relationship with a grief counseling service and have some conversations with staff beforehand and family members. Uh, because what you find in situations like this, incredibly emotional, obviously, you know, you support individuals for a long period of time. As we talked about, you're very close to them. This is a, uh, this is a personal loss for staff members. You know, not only is it a potential um, personal loss, but it's, it's a potential uh, job loss, if you think about it. I mean, we, we serve the family, and if the family's not there, do we have a job? So, you know, there's all kinds of things going through a staff member's mind at a time like this. So doing some counseling in advance uh, in a group setting can be extremely helpful. And what we found is, is, if you think about it, people's emotions and their personality traits get exacerbated in grief and uh, high-stress situations. So anything you can do to help people be prepared for that so that they can do their job at the time uh, is really helpful. And it also points to the importance, in my opinion, of having these plans in place and um, not necessarily relying on the closest staff members to be responsible and in charge of these. Because um, our roles oftentimes as staff is support the family members. And if we're also out there having to lead the charge on some of these events, it takes away uh, our opportunity to be as uh, resourceful and helpful to the family members. So to the extent that you can have um, kind of like one, one layer removed, if you will, uh, involved, it really allows staff to be available to the family members at the time. And beyond the mourning process, another way for staff to be prepared is around assets, right? Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you think about it, our principals in, in this world oftentimes have a fairly extensive estate, uh, maybe several homes, maybe uh, jewelry collections, art collections, uh, high-end furnishings, things like that. And to the extent that we can help be ready for the transition of that to other family members or ultimate disposition can be uh, super helpful. Uh, not only does it help in that process, but uh, as an example, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have a good idea of what's in my, all my cabinets and drawers in my home. And in the event that I have a catastrophic loss, like a fire or a flood, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what's in there. So taking an inventory of assets ahead of time can be extremely useful. The Nines uh, software, as I understand it, has a capability to document all that. There are also firms out there that uh, are third-party firms that do appraisals. can be extremely helpful in the event of an insurance claim, as an example. I've, I've seen examples of uh, large homes that were just devastated by fires. And if you think about trying to inventory all that or identify all that after the fact, can be extremely difficult. So there's, there's kind of a dual purpose to doing this. But having a, a good detailed inventory in advance can be super helpful. Uh, documenting to the extent that you've 
uh, either overheard or suggested principles identifying particular assets that they want to go to a particular family member can be very helpful uh, at the time. Say, you know, uh, Mrs. really wanted that ring to go to a particular daughter, you know, that uh, um, they wanted them to have that. So, you know, things that, that might be covered specifically in a will but may, may, may not be uh, can be helpful because, again, these people know family members extremely well. The other thing I would say uh, as staff member, particularly household staff, safeguarding of assets at the time, for example, is jewelry locked up? You know, we had uh, uh, locks installed in cabinet drawers and closets so that uh, postmized all jewelry could be locked up. Obviously important for staff uh, to work in teams in those environments. You don't want to be uh, the only person, as an example, that has access to high-value assets. You always want to inventory, take them out, inventory them, put them back, inventory them and uh, have a sign-off for all that. It protects the family members, but it protects the staff people too. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And even this sounds very sensitive. Any advice for private service professionals around handling conversations around this topic or you know, how to make sure they're not overstepping? Like I can imagine it. this is a, a complicated process. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. You know, it's, it's a very fine line, Kristen, because you don't want to... You don't want to prod, you know, you don't want to become a nuisance, um, you know, and you definitely want to take the uh, leading of the family member. You know, if it's just something they're not comfortable talking about, uh, you know, you end the conversation. But I think taking the opportunity to um, start those conversations, as I said earlier, normalizing those conversations. Um, it's not about, hey, we're waiting for you to die. You know, we, we want to be prepared. It's it's. You know, we want to make sure that your wishes are understood and documented, and we want to make this um, as uh, honoring a process as we can. So I think being willing even to start the conversation can be good. And it, it may not be with the family member itself. Again, maybe um, a household person, if there's a family office, if there's a chief of staff, if there's a, a key assistant to the principal's you know, asking them first, you know, hey, do these plans exist? Has anybody thought about this? Is there anything I can do to help? You know, but uh, uh, in those moments when you have the opportunity, don't be afraid to have the conversation. Don't be afraid to end the conversation if it's if it's not welcome, but, but certainly document it and then share that information with others. Yeah, that's a great point. I think the tone and, and the timing is really important when it comes to a conversation like this. That's for sure. Jeff, is there anything we haven't covered? Any other advice you'd like to share with our audience of private service professionals? You know, I think, again, um, you know, if you think about particular people in the homes uh, that deal with family members, they they know the family intimately. You know, confidentiality, obviously, goes without saying. But in these kind of sensitive things, even, uh, confidentiality can be even more important. So being really careful with the information they, that you either gather or know about in these situations is, is super important. Um, but again, I, I think you hit it right with your last question, not being afraid to have the conversation or at least, um, uh, bring up the topic. You'll get a sense whether they want to do it or not, but, uh, just being a, a listening ear can be helpful. And, uh, being a consummate professional in these situations is, uh, is just super important. 
Great. Jeff, thank you so much. Anything else that you want to add? I just think there's a great opportunity uh, for family staff in these situations. I People used to ask me, I said, you know, you, you do what? You do funeral planning? You know, why would you do that? And if you think about it, you know, we in our roles as support staff for family members, we want to help families live well. And we want to leave them with a, a great legacy. So, you know, when it comes to end of life, honoring them, supporting them, supporting family members, any uh, surviving spouses or uh, other generations, it's just, it's just an extension of what we do. Uh, and as I said earlier, it was one of the most rewarding things that I did in my role for the family office. And I, I did a lot of really cool things, but being involved intimately with the family members on this was just incredibly rewarding. Thank you to Jeff Lambert for joining us today. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more from experts in the private service industry, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Tell us about your favorite episodes and let us know what you want to learn next. To connect with other estate managers on a regular basis, join the conversation in the EaseMakers community. The EaseMakers podcast and the EaseMakers community are presented by Nines, the first dynamic household management platform built for discerning households and the private service professionals who support them. Visit ninesliving.com to see how Nines can help you bring your house manual to life so you can live with ease. I'm Mohamed Elzamore. And I'm Kristen Twyford. And we'll see you next time on the EaseMakers Podcast. And I'm in love with